Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. Straight up to the claw on this Friday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Bernsie, what's going on? Did you miss me yesterday? Everything yes, good? always miss. Yes, we always miss you. Tim Ring did a good job filling in. But Ringer does a great does job. Does a great job filling in. And, uh, in. It was a busy, fast-moving show, but uh, of course of course, we miss you. Rare Thursday wedding. Yeah, crazy. Best friend's yeah. daughter got married yesterday. Very, yeah. I, I, and they, they, like, throughout the whole ceremony, hey, thank you all for being here. We all know you, like, have to work on Thursdays, but <laughs> here you go. So it was a beautiful wedding, and uh, we had a lot of fun. And it was good to see friends Great. and everything. But we got some work to get into today. It's a Friday. Uh, we've, you know, we won't have a show on Monday because of Cardinals pregame coverage now. So this is like our last chance to talk about Cards, Niners. Of course, the Suns have a big game against the Utah Jazz, a surprisingly big game against the Utah yes, Jazz, given yes. that they're one of only a handful of teams in the NBA with double digit wins. So we're going to talk about all of that. But if you're a Suns fan, well, let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. A quote from an article from Sham Sharani of TheAthletic.com. The Hawks have opened up preliminary trade discussions around forward John Collins as interested teams inquire league sources tell The Athletic. The Suns are a team showing desire in Collins, those sources have added, but they appear uninclined to take on the long-term money of Collins, who's in the second season of a five-year, $125 million contract. All right, let's roll up our sleeves. Talk okay. about John Collins let's and the Phoenix Suns. And, so, and I'll get to some of the other stuff that Shams mentions in his article here. First of all, just before we say anything, I think it's a really weird way to word it for Sham Sharania. The Suns are showing a desire in Collins, but they appear uninclined to take on the long-term money of clients, of Collins. Yes. Well, then how are they showing an interest in Collins if they don't the, want the contract? The Phoenix Suns are not interested in John Collins. That report is 100% inaccurate, and it's 100% inaccurate. Well, except for the part about... They appear uninclined to take on the long-term money of Collins. With $50 million on Book and $30 million on, on Chris and D.A. And, and McKay, the Suns are not taking on John Collins. The answer is no. It's a flat-out no. Um, I don't know. Maybe sometimes guys need something to write about. But the Suns do not have any interest in John Collins. So that is not but, something that is has any potential to happen. Zero. I, I, I totally get it. I just don't understand why he wrote it the way he wrote it. Listen to this. Listen to this. The Suns are a team showing desire in Collins, but they appear uninclined to take on the long-term money of Collins. They're interested, but they're really not interested. What are you trying to what, say? What are you telling me, right? right. Like, like what, what, and I like Shams. What exactly are you reporting here? That the Suns want a guy they don't want to pay? Then they really don't want then him. They don't really don't want him. They the really Suns are him. not interested in John Collins. There, There is no interest there. His name has come up before. I've told people they're not interested in him. He's on a $125 million contract. He's in his second year. Do the math. Do the math. It doesn't work. Not taking on John Collins. Going to have to re-sign Cam Johnson and keep him. You've got Book. You've got Chris next year. If you bring back Chris, you've got Mikhail. You've got DA. John Collins doesn't fit. It's not the type of 
player they're looking for either. Okay, it's not the type of player they're looking for. So the Phoenix Suns will make a trade, and it will very likely be for a wing player. But John Collins is not that guy. John Collins is not the player that the Phoenix Suns are looking for. So uh, I'm going to rule that out completely. Never made any sense. I, I, I mean, let alone the weird way that Shams worded it. It just never made any sense because what you just said a second ago. It's not the kind of player they need. No. He, he's no. not, that, that's just not, not a fit. That's not what they, if you, like, what do the Phoenix Suns need right now? They, they, they need a guy who can drain some threes. They need a guy who can shoot, not a guy who's hitting 20 whatever percent from the three point line this year. I know he's typically. Somebody that can make plays, somebody can make shots, somebody yeah. can hold their own. The player they get back is very likely going to be a wing player, not a guard, not a center, probably not a power forward. Power forward will be considered. There's just not a lot of them out there. And the problem with the power forward spot is how many great power forwards are you going to go up against in the playoffs. So the the value is wing. They're going to look for a wing player. That's what they'll likely get in a trade. I don't think they'll rule out power forward, but I'll rule out guard. You know, they're not going to get a point guard or a shooting guard or a center. It'll be a wing guy. Somebody can come in here and be their fourth wing. They'll look for somebody can come in and be their fourth wing. Somebody come in, make plays, make shots, hold their own against 75-80% of the league. Not be able to hold your own against Giannis, but you know, hold your own against most guys. That's the player. Listen, this is real simple. People try to make too much of it. This is no smoke and mirrors. When a good deal becomes available and it can make the Suns a a better team, the Phoenix Suns will make the trade. They're not trying to prevent Jay Crowder from playing, but they're also not trying to do Jay Crowder a favor. Oh, I'll just send you anywhere you want to go and we'll take back whatever. No, when a good trade comes about, then that, and everybody's speculating here. And you know, this is what we do. This is what, this is what I do. You you know, I, I, if somebody legitimate, comes up with Jake Fisher came up with something yesterday about a three-way trade. There was nothing to it. It wasn't, it wasn't true. Um, oh, it's imminent. It was about to happen. I like Jake Fisher, but that report was 100% inaccurate. This report from Shams on the Suns having interest in John Collins is just not correct. The Phoenix Suns are not interested in John Collins. In addition to the report, it's also mentioned in here, in addition, the Suns expressed interest in forwards such as Sacramento's Harrison Barnes, Washington's Kyle Kuzma, and Houston's K.J. Martin. League sources have said, past tense, have said. Start with whoever you want to start with. Oh, I want to start with Harrison Barnes. The the Sacramento Kings, why would the Sacramento Kings, I just just spoke with Sacramento a short time ago. Not trading Harrison Barnes. Okay, Mike Brown's in his first year. He's got that team rolling right now. They've got one of the best rookies of the year year. I mean, they made one. Quirt has been unreal for them. Fox is playing great. You know, they haven't been good in a long time. They finally have a good team. You're going to train Harrison Barnes? Doesn't make any he sense. plays 25 to 35 minutes a game. Yeah. Like, Mike Brown loves him. Mike Brown loves Harrison Barnes. Like, he's a good player. He's a good teammate. Like, they're not there were conversations in the summer in which the Suns spoke to the Kings about a Jay Crowder for Harrison Barnes deal. That was in the summer. They haven't explored that since yeah. the summer. So I don't know. I mean, this Shams usually does a pretty good job, but he's very, very off base on a lot of what he's writing today. Yeah, I think that the devil's in the details a little bit with how he writes it, because it's almost like he's writing it past tense. He's almost like he's saying, hey, by the way, in the past, the Suns have expressed interest in They did in, in the summer, Barnes. and I yeah. reported that. I reported that it, in it, the summer it, they did. In the past, they've expressed interest in Washington's Kyle Kuzma, which is also accurate, right? It, it is, is accurate. They, they yes. kick the tires on and that this, a little listen, bit. And, and I will tell you that I cannot rule out Kuzma. I, I don't I mean, you know, right now there's nothing to it, but that's not a guy. He's on an expiring deal. Is he going to stay? I mean, they've got a bunch of guys at that spot. He could be moved. So I'm not going to say no to Kuzma, 
But I am going to say no to Collins, and I am going to say no to Harrison Barnes because, again, Sacramento's playing such good basketball right now. Why the hell would they trade Harrison Barnes? It doesn't make any sense. Why would they trade? They're not going to trade him. I mean, look, the Sacramento Kings haven't been good in a decade. They've won five straight games. I can only imagine whoever was you were talking to the other night. I can only imagine whoever you were talking to over at Sacramento was like, was like, we've won five straight games. (laughs) We're 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 the eighth seed right now in the Western Conference. We haven't been relative. We haven't been relevant in a decade. We're going to go trade Harrison Barnes now, you know, for a fan base that's been starved for us to be good. We're going to go trade. I mean, right. of, of course, it's not. It's not. It's now, not happening. If, now, if Sacramento absolutely, completely falls apart in the next three or four weeks, then I think we should revisit this conversation. Right. Then I think we can. OK, let, let's let's circle back to this one and see if Harrison Barnes is available then, because that might change the thinking a little bit in Sacramento. If they completely fall apart right, right. now. No way. Washington. Right now, no way. Now, I happen to think, this is my opinion, Washington's going to fall apart. They're fake. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, and so when they do, I wouldn't be surprised if Kyle Kuzma's available. That is the one name on the list that I'm not going to rule out now because there, there was some interest on Kyle Kuzma. He is on an expiring deal, like Jay. He's on an expiring deal. He gives you length as a wing player at 6'9". He'll hit some shots. He can create. He could shoot. Kyle Kuzma is a good name. So that one I'm not going to... Now, there is nothing going on right now with Kyle Kuzma. But when you look at Washington and, and you look at their roster and the guys that they have, you, you, know, you, you, know, you see um, the guys that they have, it's very... It's very possible that they would be open to trading him just based on, okay, here's a guy on an expiring deal. I've got these other players. Um, okay, I'll, I'll move him. So I could see them, I could see them moving Kuzma. And that could be something that they explore at some point. But I don't think there's anything to it now, but I will not rule out Kuzma. I am going to rule out Collins and I am going to rule out Barnes. Okay. Yeah, I, I just, and there was another one in there too, right? Uh, it was um, it was KJ Martin right. from Houston. Now the reason that KJ Martin could be involved in the deal because Houston wants to get off of Eric Gordon. Listen, the Suns aren't trading for Eric Gordon. If they get Eric Gordon, they're going to get him in the buyout market. Okay, Eric Gordon is nobody's going to give up a first round pick for Eric Gordon. So you know, at some point, Houston is going to probably just let him go. And then if you want to get him in the buyout market, you get him in the buyout market. Now, if you're Houston, you're like, boy, how do we, you know, how do we get off of this contract? Well, maybe we'll include. KJ Martin in a deal, and maybe that will get somebody, you know, to take him. Um, but no, there's 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 nothing to that one either. I mean, it's just you know, you know, they're just trying to see if they threw him into the deal with the can they get somebody to take another contract on. But I don't see that as well. So I, I'm going to rule out KJ Martin. I'm going to rule out Collins. I'm going to rule out Barnes. Keep Kuzma in the back of your mind. There's nothing to it now, but it's a player that they have talked about in the past. When we come back on the Burns and Woo. Gambo show, we'll see. Everybody. I was, I was you feel better? You feel good now? You feel uh, you feel yes. cleansed? Listen, you know, like you like you sat on Dr. Melfi's couch and you <laughs> bared your soul. Uh, uh, when we come back, here come the Jazz, who are way, way, way better than any of us thought they were gonna be. Why? Is the question, and we'll try to answer it next. Burns and Gambo. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Souls. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Schedule comes out the NBA season, what, mid-August, sometime around there. Nobody, nobody circled a Friday night matchup between the Suns and the Utah Jazz. 
on a Friday night up in Salt Lake City as anything other than a really good team versus a really bad team, and that was that. Nobody thought this would be a matchup of two early-on elite teams in the Western Conference. We thought the Suns would be elite or really, really good, and everybody thought the Jazz would be driving that Sherman tank right into the ping-pong balls, <laughs> right into the line, right, right, right. with Danny Ainge at the wheel, tried. like, let's go, let's, yeah. let's, we want to be bad. All right. I just imagine Danny Ainge with like a helmet on driving the tank, right? Yeah. I traded Rudy Gobert. I traded Donovan Donovan Mitchell. And now I got one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. Yeah. I I still have a 10 win team. There are four teams in the NBA that have double digits in wins. The Utah Jazz are one of them. Yeah. This is a surprisingly interesting matchup tonight. Yes. They're also on a three game losing streak. So they have struggled a little bit. Lots of turnovers, right? They've had a lot of turnovers. Um, they, against the Knicks, they had 21 turnovers that led to 24 points. They had, um, I think 18 turnovers in the Philadelphia game. Uh, they've been giving up a bunch of offensive rebounds. They surrendered 17 offensive rebounds to the Hawks. They don't have the size. They just don't have a lot of size. So they were playing really good. Um, they've out-hustled most of their opponents. They play hard. Laurie marketing has been fantastic for them. And, you know, a lot of people are debating this team, saying, are they are they really legit? Like, are the Jazz? And they probably are. I mean, the start that they've got off to, they will very likely I would expect that they'll be a, you know, they'll be one of the playoff teams uh, this th- year. I think you just said the reason why people are questioning it. Laurie marketing has been their best player. And I don't know if that's sustainable or not. You know, I, I mean, I mean, honestly, I mean, based off of what Laurie Markin has done in his career, and I, I know, you know, being a U of A guy, we're always inclined to kind of follow. I mean, how many times do we talk about Laurie Markin coming here? For goodness yeah. sakes, right? We had a million conversations a couple of years ago. It feels. I think part of the reason why it's hard to buy the Utah Jazz. It's hard to buy Larry Markinen as like your best player. Like it's just there, there's some numbers with him where you feel like he's bound to regress at some point. Can Larry I mean, Markinen is, be that good over is, the course of a season? He's shooting fifty two point three percent from the field. He's a career forty four point six percent shooter. So he's playing out of his mind. He's averaging twenty one point three points per game. He's you know last year he's fourteen point eight. You know he's he's rebounding the ball eight point four rebounds per game. Last year he was five point seven. Um, so everything is really going well for Larry Market, and he's he's a fantastic player. When the Jazz got him, they liked that he's got a good contract and he's tradable. Yes, like that's why they liked him. I mean, yes. they got a player. Okay, now we we got back Larry Market, and that's a guy we could trade. I mean, I never you know maybe they keep him. Um, he's only twenty five years old. He's definitely somebody you could help build around. But he's a good player. We have talked about him a whole lot here. Uh, but the Jazz, they listen. They've lost three games in a row. So they've come back to earth just a little bit here. They've come back to earth, but that's a team at, you know, at 10 and six, you're looking at them now and, you know, they got Jordan Clarkson. They got Colin Sexton, uh, Malik Beasley. Mike Conley's handling the ball now more because they, Donovan Mitchell used to handle it all the time. So now it's more Conley, uh, that Taylor Horton Tucker, who I always liked and, and the Vanderbilt kid, the young kid. There's some talent on this team. They're small. They're pretty young yeah. and they're pretty small, but they just really, really work hard and they've come together as a team and it plays some really good basketball. They do look, they do well in a lot of the kind of basic, uh, not basic numbers, but like the core numbers you'd want your team to be really good in. And, and three they point do. shooting. Yeah. Three point shooting has been their, their eighth in offensive rating, their ninth in defensive rating. Assist percentage is good. Rebound percentage is good. Uh, points off of turnovers are good. All that stuff, all that kind of basic core stuff that Kellen points out in his piece today, they're all very, very good at. And they're getting contributions like Jordan Clarkson, instant offense. 
Kelly Olnick, Malik Beasley have been shooting unbelievable lights out from three. Jared Vanderbilt is a guy we talked about. The Suns, the Suns wanted him wanting that, that at what, some point. Yeah, right, that's what yeah. they wanted. Yep. I, I think a lot of it just kind of comes down to, do you believe that this is who Laurie Markkinen is? Because he's he's shooting at like almost Giannis Antetokounmpo type levels around the rim, and that's just something he's never really done before. So is that sustainable? And then the other question about the Jazz that has to be asked is, is not that not that they're going to try to submarine this up there, but I can't imagine this is exactly what they wanted, right? I mean, they, they, this, no, everything, they wanted, to, they wanted yeah, to tank. Everything about this was draft picks. Everything yeah, about this was Victor Wambienda. Mm-hmm. Everything about this was, yeah. was try to get those picks. So if this thing does start to go south on them a little bit, Will they look to trade the guys before they get themselves in a position where they're almost bound to become a playoff team? Like if this I, goes on another month or two, no. they're going to be a playoff no, team. I don't think I don't think that Ainge would do that if he's if the rosters come together and they're playing well. And I, I don't think they'll be like, hey, I've got this playoff team and I'm going to blow it up because I really want to. But I really want to be bad. Uh, but that's my point. It's like kind of like what we were saying about the Kings in the last segment when talking about the dread. Like yeah. like four weeks from now. If the Jazz really have slid, right? If they're not playing well anymore, if it if it kind of comes together the way people thought it was going to come yeah. together, then Danny might go, okay, you know what? We're not a playoff team anymore. We got off to a nice start. It wasn't real. It didn't last. And now we are who we are. It's time to trade. He would never do that. I agree. No team would do the that is, when they're a playoff team. If you start to slide out of that over the next month, that's when you start to do it. The problem is you start to look at, my God, there's so many. The Detroit Pistons are terrible. The Hornets are terrible. The Magic... I like them. They're young. They're not going to win a lot of games. The Rockets are terrible. The Lakers are terrible. So there are a lot of teams that are so like, if you start to, if you win a few more games here, you get to 15 wins and you're the Jazz, you know, by in the next like two or three weeks, you might be like, I don't know that, I don't know that we can get back into a top five lottery spot because you, you know, you, you start to get to around 20 wins in a basketball season. Yes. And you're like, okay, like, um, yeah, there's teams that are 10 games behind us. Like we're gonna have to go on like a ten game losing streak, and they're not, and they and they can't win any for us to get into that top five mix. There's gonna be a point where you realize there's nothing we could do to have a top five lottery pick. This isn't worth it, and that might mean the Utah Jazz are stuck in that spot. Nobody wants to be stuck in. You're not bad enough for the lottery, but you end up not being good enough to really be a playoff yeah. team, or you're a fringe playoff team, or you're you know, and that's and that's exactly what nobody wants, especially in a year where you've got a sensational generational kind of guy available and the number two pick overall in the draft isn't bad either you don't want and you're right you're absolutely right if there are 10 wins now they get to 25 wins they're not they're not going to be in a position to get one by yama you know they're they're not going to be in a position to get one of those top guys they're just not going to have enough ping pong balls at that point and and so it's almost like if we're gonna suck can we start sucking now so we kind of can identify that we're not going to be very good so we can be in that because a few more wins, another dozen or so wins out of this team, and they are going to have a really hard time getting the ping pong balls they need. So they're in this kind of weird in-between gray area right now. Either way, it's going to be a really interesting challenge for the Suns tonight because we don't know about Chris Paul. Andrew Shamit, I think, is out, is not going to play. Did we, did we not get any update on Chris? I haven't seen. Uh, Mitch, Eric, have we seen an update? I'm getting a shake of the head. No, from Eric, we haven't seen anything official on Chris and whether he's going to play. I think the last I saw, he was still being listed as questionable for this game. Questionable, thank you. Landry Shamit's out. He won't play. Obviously, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, they won't play either. So we'll find out about Chris the closer we get to the game. Here's 
another nugget about this game that I read about today, and, and it makes sense for anybody who's watched the Suns. At home, the Phoenix Suns are 7-1. and one. They shoot nearly 39% from three. They attempt 25 free throws per game. On the road, they're shooting two percentage points less beyond the arc. And they're only attempting about 15 free throws a game. It's a big difference. They're two and four on the road. They're seven and one at home. Big difference. They're fighting themselves a little bit when they go to Utah. They have not been a great road team so far this year. That's a fun game. I'm looking forward to it. I am too. It's a fun game because, you know, they get a real good look at the Jazz. Are they real? Are they not real? You don't know. Um, and then the Suns. You know, without the guys, I mean, without they haven't made the trade yet, but no Cam Johnson and no Chris Paul and no Landry Shamit. I mean, it's a chore for them, but they've got good depth. Text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line is open for you right now at 620-620. Now, when we come back, the 49ers in recent history have been an easy opponent for the Cardinals. This time around feels different. We go to San Francisco next to find out why on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Sold, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Football Friday will become a big-time Monday Monday night affair between San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals live from Mexico City as the Cardinals once again, just like they were last week against the Rams in the position of you better win or else. We've kind of gotten to that point in the season now, and to win, they're going to have to beat a team that seemingly is starting to get all their guys back and everything's starting to click the way they thought it would. And joining us right now from the Bay Area, he's the co-host of the Tolbert and Copes show. He is Adam Copeland from KNBR who joins us here on the Burns and Gamble show. Adam, I'm Dave. This is Gamble. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for your time. Oh, what's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, it's funny to be to be talking 49ers Cardinals for the first time like week 11, right? It's uh, the only right. NFC West teams that have not met each other. It's weird to happen this late in the season. I'll, uh, I'll be an even weirder in Mexico City. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's supposed to be like 80% 49er fans there for a Cardinal home game. But I, I want to ask you about this this two added monster running back with Elijah Mitchell coming back this week and with McCaffrey being added. Man, it just seems like they've got a dominant one-two punch. Vance Joseph is pretty good at taking away one weapon of every team. But I don't know what both of those guys there. I think it's going to be very difficult for the Cardinals to stop that rushing attack. Yeah, and we saw that on Sunday night against the Chargers, who I thought in the first half had a pretty good game plan for stopping Christian McCaffrey, uh, where, where he was ineffective trying to get between the tackles. They tried to throw to him a little bit, and that's where he got most of his touches. But Elijah Mitchell came back fresh after getting hurt, injuring the MCL week one, and uh, and he was kind of the guy. He became the bell cat, went for over 80 yards in that game. And so I think when you have two different kinds of runners like that, and, and 49er fans, you know how football fans are, each and every week you, you got something to gripe about. Even after the win, they're going, ah, Christian McCaffrey needs to get more touches. Well, it's nice to have the ability to lean on somebody else and sort of put McCaffrey out wide and allow him to do different pass-catching things out of the backfield. So certainly two different types of runners. McCaffrey is going to obviously be a huge part of this offense, but it is a great weapon to get back in Elijah Mitchell. I think people kind of forgot what a big uh, what a big force he was for them last year, stepping in for Raheem Mostert, who got hurt week one. So Kyle Shanahan's always got a, a nice stable of backs back there, and it's the first time with having both Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey, that he can lean on two different types of runners. I, I think Vance Joseph is going to have his hands full. It was 41 carries for the Niners against the Chargers. Is that, do you think, what they'll try to aim for this week against the Cardinals and typically every week for the rest of the season now that they're healthy in the backfield? 
Yeah, I mean, this, that's something Kyle has been has been vocal about over the last few years, specifically back in 2019 when they went to the uh, to the Super Bowl and then lost to the Chiefs and then went last year to the NFC Championship game. He said before, if we can run the ball 30 to 35 times, we're going to win the game. And I, I think that's sort of an obvious thing, especially when you go up against uh, a top-tier team. Like, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday against the Commanders. The Commanders outplayed them like 80-something plays to 40-something plays. Right. They ran the ball, although not that effectively, they just kept pounding the rock. You, you deflate the, the clock a little bit, you keep the ball away from your opponent, and that's what Kyle Shanahan does well. It's also why he sometimes gets into trouble, and it makes it tough when they fall behind uh, at coming back. He has struggled a lot in his career as a head coach in coming back when they trail in the fourth quarter by four or more points. So that's something to watch out for. But, yeah, that'll be the game plan, I think, 100%. And you'll get a lot of slant patterns with Brandon Ayuk. Obviously, George Kittle will be involved, but he's been not, not a huge part of the offense this year. He's just huge in the run blocking game. So I would expect a ton of carries on the ground this week for both Mitchell and, and probably for Debo Samuel as well and, and Christian McCaffrey, of course. Ayuk's had an interesting career because we, you know, we watched him here at Arizona State. He was fantastic. Like he yeah. was, and then he got there and he was great and then he was in the doghouse and he wasn't playing and it seems like I know he had a big drop last week, but it seems like he's on course now. He's back to being what they wanted him to be. Yeah, he's he's sort of uh, he's as steady as she goes. It seems like every week now for five to six catches and eighty to eighty-five yards. Like he hasn't had the big hundred and fifty-yard receiving game. And we used to do the whole yak bros thing with he and Debo and Kittle, where they would catch balls, uh, uh, you know, just sort of short slant patterns, a little out routes, because Jimmy's not going to throw the ball deep downfield. And these guys would go, and they're great blockers. And that's something that I think Ayuk does not get enough credit for. He is a savage blocker on the outside of the run game for a wide receiver. A lot of times can get chippy with some guys, but I, I would look for that in this game, too. Uh, the secondary here for the Cardinals and the Niners receivers, I think, have gone at it before. Uh, it could be, could be a fun one on the outside as far as the blocking goes, but he's just sort of the, the steady-as-she-goes receiver, I think, for the Niners. And while Debo Samuel gets all the love because of how explosive he is, I think Ayuk is probably the best receiver on the team. Debo the most dangerous with the ball in his hands. But in terms of quality receiver, I think it's Brandon Ayuk. Adam Copeland, KNBR co-host of the Tolbert and Cope Show, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Niners, Cardinals coming up on Monday Night Football, and you'll hear it here on the flagship station. You mentioned guys maybe not getting the credit that they're doing, and I, I'm just going to apologize in advance because I'm sure you guys have had the Jimmy G conversation 10,000 ways that you can have it. But from your perspective, does, does Jimmy G get the credit that he's owed and how much credit is he owed for being kind of the glue guy who keeps this whole thing together? Look, there's there's no – it's funny you said we've had this 10,000 times. We always joke that it's like it's Jimmy G in the quarterback multiverse. Like how many different ways can this thing play out? We keep thinking we're getting to the end of it. And then uh, and then an injury happens and Jimmy G's right back here. So it's, it's bizarre. You know, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit for being a professional. I mean, I don't know how many times – Throughout the course of NFL history, we've seen quarterback controversies. A young quarterback, uh, Jordan Love, drafted behind Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre. We see this happen all the time. And very seldom do we see a quarterback as professional as Jimmy G is with the level of success that he's had in taking a team to the Super Bowl, sort of handle it as a pro. So certainly he deserves a whole bunch of credit for being a, uh, a professional for a guy who didn't blow up the team and blow up the locker room. That said, there are limitations. And I think the 49ers told us what they thought their limitations were with Jimmy Garoppolo, that he's a guy who may be able to get you to a Super Bowl, but if you need him to put together some big plays to bring you back, that's where things get tough. 
when you put the game on his shoulders, you're putting uh, you're, you're sort of playing with fire a little bit because he will force some throws. He's not a sharp, accurate, deep passer. He's not a guy who's going to pick apart a defense. He needs weapons and things around him. When they went to the Super Bowl in 2020, he threw the ball eight times or something in the NFC Championship game, and Raheem Mostert ran for 200 yards and four touchdowns. So I think he deserves credit absolutely for the professional he's been. I think he's a top 15 or 16 quarterback in the league. But the Niners told you when they traded three first-rounders or swapped the first and traded two more to get Trey Lance what they thought his limitations were. So it'll be really, really fun and interesting to see what happens with the Niners and how this season plays out. If he goes back to a, another NFC title game or another Super Bowl, how do you handle that in this offseason? Yeah. But uh, I think 49er fans are happy in general. Where do you think he would have ended up if the 49ers didn't rework that deal and keep him? I mean, I know we don't have the answer, but give me your best guess. Where do you think Garoppolo would be playing right now? You know, I, you know, it's funny is, is uh, we've, we've asked uh, jo- John Lynch comes on our show every week. We talked to him uh, every other week. We talked to him yesterday and we asked him about that a whole bunch in the off season. And I think the Colts were legitimately in on Jimmy G. The, the thing that sort of screwed him was he went on the end of that surgery. Remember he had a shoulder surgery that I didn't think he was going to have. He had it. And then team said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know that I can give up any equity here, especially if it looks like you guys are just going to cut him because he was worth $24 million or something against the cap. And they thought, well, if they just have to cut him, why would I give anything up for a guy who may be hurt? So the Colts are the, the team that I get the impression from John Lynch would have been the, uh, the number one team trying to land Jimmy. But I don't think they would have given anything up for him had, uh, had he had the surgery or had he not had the surgery, he may have landed somewhere else. All right. Shanahan owns McVeigh. McVeigh owns Cliff. And Cliff kind of owns Shanahan. I mean, it's, uh, the Cardinals have had a lot of success against the 49ers. They beat them both times last year, one with Colt McCoy. What is it about the Cardinals that seems to give San Francisco fits? You know, I, I, I don't know, man. It's funny. 49er fans still, they hate the Seahawks more than anybody going back to the, the Harbaugh days, right? And the, and the Richard Sherman turkey leg and everything in midfield and being the crowd crew back and forth. I always think the Cardinals are a much bigger thorn in, in the Niners' side. They were the final undefeated team last year. Kyler Murray, when he's out there, can, can, uh, can be a headache for you because the Niners, and a lot of teams struggle with this, but the Niners specifically over the last four or five years have had a really, really tough time with mobile quarterbacks and allowing plays to extend. Tell they lost two games this year to both the Broncos and to the, uh, the uh, Chicago Bears, week one, they let Justin Fields run around him and find an open man downfield. And Kyler Murray can do that to you. What's really frustrating, and this is where I knew it was a little bit of ownage, was when it was Colt McCoy, who was like, what was he, you know, 22 or 26 or something in week nine last year to yep. beat the Niners and drop him to three and five. Buda Baker had a big interception against Jimmy in that game. So I, I don't know what it is. Uh, but the Niners certainly struggle. I think it's beneficial for them to get a game that's going to feel like a home game, although it's 7,000 feet elevation in Mexico City. Yeah, it's it's, a, it, it's crazy, the elevation and how different it's going to be. Adam, we appreciate the time. As always, you're welcome on Anytime Talk 49er Football with us when the Cardinals play them. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon. Oh, a lot of fun, guys. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Adam. Adam Copeland, KNBR co-host of Tolbert and Copes, joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Niners cards coming up on Monday night football. The Cardinals desperate. The Niners looking like a team that's starting to get it all together now, just in time for the stretch run of the season. Speaking of the Cardinals, we've got a big update from Cardinals practice today that you're going to want to know all about. We'll tell you all about it coming up here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Burns and Gambo need to 
know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, so normally we bust this out at 2.30, obviously, but we uh, had Adam on from KNBR to talk a little 49ers football with us. We've got Mr. Ruby here with our Twitter poll question of the day. As long as there's still a Twitter to put a poll on. I know. Every day I show up. Every day I show up, I'm like, is there, are we going to have a Twitter poll question Seriously, by 2.30? I, was, I wasn't on Twitter all day yesterday. I woke up this morning. I'm like, what in the hell is everybody talking about here? Everyone's Would you miss it? Yes, you I would. would. Okay. I would. The way... God, it's like a love-hate relationship I, The way Twitter. I use it, Yeah. all right, just as a tool, I would very much miss it. It's very much a part of how I prepare for right. the show every no, day. No, I get it. I get it. Um, very much a it's part of how I prepare for the show. It's just a love-hate relationship. Yeah, I, you just ignore the negative stuff. I have 500 people blocked. And just go for the information, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. I, I just If you just use it to get the information, it's great. It's all the back and forth negativity that Twitter. <laughs> so we'll see. Let's see what what Twitter poll question of the day we're going out with a bang on here. If this is indeed it for Twitch, it's not. By the way, this no, it'll the, be around. It's, it'll it's be not around. Going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. But man, everybody today was like the long kiss goodbye. See you later. Right? It's, it's not going to go anywhere. Asta, no, it's not. You know what else is not going to go anywhere? The Friday staple That's Twitter poll question. Right. The Friday Woo! staple. Even it's the Friday Instagram question. <laughs> it's our Friday TikTok question. Respond on the reel at the link. Yeah. <laughs> it's our Friday Facebook it's a, question. It's still going to be the question. We're just going to move it over to a different channel if we somewhere. have to. Uh, what, what, it's our Friday staple. What you it's got for us, It's Friday staple. Cardinals 49ers. We won't have a show on Monday, so we got to do it today. Who wins and by how much? If you think a team wins by a lot, that's two plus touchdowns. Cards or 49ers? I'm sorry, Ben. <laughs> I'm sorry. 49ers by a lot. I got a... Um, um, I'm Han Solo in Star Wars, man. I got a bad feeling about this. I 49ers, do. 49ers... They don't score enough points. 49ers by a little. Okay. This one, it's a close one, but neither of those are the leader. Leading the way at 36.4%, cards by a little Monday night in Mexico City, but 2% behind. It's the opposite end. 49ers by a lot in third place at 23.7%. Is 49ers by a little, cards by a lot, as it usually always is. In last place, 5.7%. One <laughs> of these days, one of these days, cards by a lot is going to be the leading vote getter, and we're all going to feel so good about things. Wow! Like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be wow. Gambo's brain going kaboom. All right, thank you, Eric. We appreciate that. You can find it for now on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo. Imagine Elon Musk buys it and just deletes it. That's crazy. No, I can't imagine that. It's it, It'll be... Don't worry. Twitter will be there when we all wake up tomorrow. And if it's not, we'll all just move on culturally and as a society. We'll all be just fine. We'll be here. If it's not, we'll be here. We'll be doing it. We'll be, we'll be right here. Tell you who's not going to be there on Monday night in Mexico City. And that's DJ Humphreys. He's out, according to Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, he's uh, he won't play this week, it doesn't look like. And then we'll kind of evaluate it from there and see where it goes. Ooh. Ooh.
man. Nick Bosa. Oh, yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. Josh Jones is done. No, okay. you had Aaron Donald oh. last. You had Aaron Donald He's last week. He's more up the middle. Uh, Bosa's more of an edge guy. I want I want, I want. want to be... And they, you know what? They did fine against Aaron Donald. And I didn't think they were really stout up the middle with the guys they were running out there. And you're right. They, they, they did okay against Donald. But um, I, it's a back injury with DJ Humphreys. He got ruled out. So he's not going to play. And like I say, Josh Jones has acquitted himself well in the moments that he's been out there. I think for the most part, he's played pretty well filling in for DJ. So it's another trial by fire for their former third-round pick out of Houston, I would assume, who's probably going to be their starting right tackle next year, I would think. Yeah, I would think so, too. Um, look, I mean, they, they had four backup offensive linemen in last week, and they did a pretty good job. And the reason why is because Colt McCoy ran a really good offense and got rid of the ball very quickly. So it's hard to sack a guy when he doesn't have the football, you know? You'll get a lot of roughing the passer penalties if you hit the quarterback. So the plan has to be very similar. Like, we got to get, no matter who the quarterback is, got to get rid of the ball quickly. You know, give that off, help that offensive line out a little bit. Now, they played good, but again, it's really, it really comes down to the quarterback not holding on to the ball too much. Yeah, and that's a big part of it. As far as the quarterback, here's what Cliff had to say today about Kyler Murray. Yeah, he's progressing. Um, come a long way, so we'll see. Got a few more days. I think playing on Monday night will help the extra day, uh, so we'll see how it feels the next couple of days. What is he looking for to give Kyler Murray a green light for Monday's game? This is what Cliff said. Um, once again, just that he feels comfortable being full throttle, where if he's got to take off and run, he can go full speed, and he's not thinking about it, not protecting himself. Um, that's no way to play the position, the way he plays it, particularly against this front. Yeah, I... You know, listen, I, th- I think with this game coming up, there's a lot of things that have to go right for the Arizona Cardinals to win. A lot of things that have to go right for them to to be in this game. And they've got to stop that pass rush. They've got to find a way to stop that running game because that running game is really good with Elijah Mitchell and with Christian McCaffrey. Brandon Ayuk has been playing really good. I This is a tough game for them. They've had success against them in the past. So, you know, it, last year they won both games against them. I'm just looking at my notes and just how well they played in those games. And they ran the ball well and they passed it well and they took care of business so to me I just think a lot of it just has to do with can they you know can the Cardinals control the ball can they not let the 49ers do what Washington did the other day and against Philly and hold the ball for 40 minutes to where your defense is on the field for 12 and 13 plays yeah you don't want that and and Kyler you know we, we still have days before we're gonna know I you know I kind of feel like kinda like what we talked about a couple days ago with Hollywood Brown like this like if you're gonna play man this is the game that you should probably play, right? Or DeAndre Hopkins has showed up on the injury report, and it's sort of one of those, you know, I think Hop's going to play through it because th- this game... Yeah, because th- th- this is this, the game, right? right? They, but they, right, they, uh, but then isn't the next game the game? Well, yeah, but, and but then the next game the it's, game. it's like Buck Showalter saving his closer right. for game one of a no. National League cha- or American League Championship Series when he needs him for the wild you card You've got to have the Buddha mentality. If it hardly hurts a little, I'm playing. There's, there's no right? next... Right, yeah, from Hard Docs. There's no next game Unless you get this game, yeah, so it only hurts a little. I'm going to play. So you can't think about it like, wow. But there's a next game after that. No, there is only this game. There's only this game. Because I, I don't think you can look at it any other way. And so for Kyler, that's why I think he's going to play. I could be totally wrong, but that's why I think he's going to play. There is no next game for this organization. Well, Lose- we got time coming up in a little bit, and we'll ask him because I just I think it's very similar. Uh, what I've said all the week: if Kyler's not able to run, he's not playing. 
If Kyler can't run, they're not going to put him out there. Because, you know, Kyler needs to run the football. He also needs to run to get away from the pass rush. And if he can't run... Just go with Colt McCoy. Yeah. Uh, here's Cliff on Hop's hammy. He showed up on the injury report yesterday with a hamstring injury. And if there's any extra worry about uh, us. I don't see that type of worry. I mean, it's a maintenance deal, I think. We're going to be cautious and make sure he feels 100% um, before the game. But um, I don't think it's close to what it was. Okay, good. Good. Because no hop in it against a team that I, I really believe, and maybe I'm wrong, been wrong before, I'll certainly be wrong again. I think the 49ers are really starting to hit their stride here. They, they, they feel like they've found that gear, right? So you're going to be a team that's found its gear, that's going to have like an 80% home field advantage. You need DeAndre Hopkins out, whether it's Colt McCoy or Kyler throwing yeah, to him. You need DeAndre Hopkins out there. Here's why I give them a chance. Here's why I give the Cardinals a chance. They've played two of the better teams in the league already. Minnesota Vikings and Philadelphia Eagles. And they lost both of them. But they were, they were close games. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were close football games. They lost both of them. But yeah. Right. But like, it's not like they, the best teams in the league blew out the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals don't have that signature win yet, right? They don't have that signature win. Not that, even close. You've brought it up. Oh, look at the teams that they beat and look at the teams that they, they haven't beaten anybody. Okay. I get it. I get it. But they lost to, uh, Minnesota 34-26, so a one-score game, and they lost to Philly by a field goal. And they probably could have won that game if the kicker would have kicked the field goal and they would have went to overtime. So the two best teams that they played, take Kansas City out, because that was the first game of the season. But in the NFC, the two best teams they played, Philadelphia and Minnesota, both were close games. Mm-hmm. They, they were. were close games. They were. So I, that's why I think that you're going to get a good, hard-fought effort from the Cardinals, and it'll be a close football game that that either team can win. I'll give the edge to the 49ers, because I think they're going to be hard to stop, but I don't think the Cardinals get blown out in this game. Why did the Arizona Cardinals release Eno Benjamin? Why? Steve Keim, general manager of the Cardinals. We will attempt to find out next on the Burns and Gambo show.